Yes, perfectly. Thanks. Hi, everybody. My name is Luann C. L-U-A-N-N-E, and I am, boy, am I a compulsive overeater. Um, I, I, I'm not really jokingly. I jokingly say I was born a normal body weight, and that's the last time I was a normal body weight. And my journey goes from age six, one grandmother having to buy me a size 6X because I was chubby in the clothes stores. And she didn't say anything to me, but I could tell it took her aback a little bit. At age seven, they put me on diet pills. So amphetamine, speed, being given to a seven-year-old because the family judged that I was too fat. And I wasn't that fat. Um, with... I won't jump ahead, but essentially I grew up a fat child. And while maybe by today's standards, I wasn't the, I wouldn't have been the biggest in the class. Back then I was the biggest in the class. Um, I weighed 140 pounds at age 12. I, by the time I graduated high school, I was probably 185 very soon it weighed 200. By the time I was 30, I was at 300 pounds. Um, and at age 33, I think, I was 325 pounds and had a gastric bypass surgery. Um, I lost from 325 to 215. And I mean, that stuff is magic for a little while. It's not, it's a tool in my mind. It's not a hope. Nobody believes that that kind of thing is a magic bullet. It is not. It's one more tool. I had my internal plumbing rearranged permanently. Um, I don't judge anybody for doing it, but it's a very serious decision. There are pros and cons to it. Um, I was desperate at the time. I wasn't in program at that point. Um, I, after three, five years, I was back up to 265 and said, oh, crap. Um, I had been in program when I was in my 20s for like maybe a year and a half. I don't even remember exactly. Um, but my sponsor moved away, and I guess I was dependent on her because I never really could find a sponsor. No. In all honesty, how hard was I looking? I can't tell you. But I really, I never found anybody else that I really could click with like my my sponsor had been. So I, I still went to meetings, but uh, I, when I hooked up with a guy and, you know, had a live-in boyfriend and all that stuff, I mean, I just sort of ignored OA. Um, but it was a good start. It was a good start. And, and that, it kind of always stuck with me. Um, I had not worked all the steps. I think I'd done a, a sort of a preliminary step four, but that's really all I had done. So um, the seeds had been planted, but I really can't say that I was in recovery. I was out for the better part of 15 years. And I don't know why I didn't want to go back to OA. I don't know why. Um, can't tell you. The stubbornness psychological something or other, who knows. And quite frankly, the why really doesn't matter. 
Why we do anything really doesn't matter. It doesn't fix me. Self-knowledge doesn't fix us. It might help to open my eyes a little bit to truth, but it doesn't fix me. Um, so when I started going back up in weight, I was like, oh, crap, this, this surgery that was supposed to keep me from being 400 pounds, that was my mindset. My friend who'd done it six months before me was almost back to 300, and I got scared. So I, had, I knew enough to get a therapist who was an addiction specialist. And he basically dared me to try three meetings again. And so I really credit him for getting me back into the program. I came back in 2008. I had three years of abstinence. It was good. It was comfortable. I felt really solid in my program. But I had a little emotional thing where a cousin died and went to the memorial service and found myself wandering around the, the home, just eating all the, out of all the nut cups. I didn't have cake. I didn't have pie yet. But that, that something tipped me over the edge. And um, so I, then I was in and out. I mean, I, was, I would go to meetings, but uh, I would get a little abstinent. I would lose it. I would get a couple of days. I'd get six months. I mean, off and on. There were two years there where every single morning I woke up swearing I'd do it. And every single time, every single day by four or five, six o'clock in the evening, I was eating again. I mean, the wrong stuff, the stuff that I know triggers me. Two years of that. Talk about demoralized. Um, one of the phrases in the book that I really relate to is pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization. People who walk up to me and say, Oh, you're such a smart girl, Luann. Just push yourself away from the table. If you wanted it badly enough, you could. They have no flipping idea of the shame and humiliation and demoralization and beating myself up all of my life. They have no idea. And I know I can't see you guys nodding your heads, but I know you are. Because if you're a real food addict like me, that is your experience. No matter if you overeat or undereat or just obsess and purge, doesn't matter. You guys know. You get it. You get it. So what the heck? What am I going to do? So I, I had a real God shot. I, two things happened kind of simultaneously. One was that I, I met a man who was 40 years sober no, 43 years sober, and had also been in several other programs. He didn't identify as a food addict, but he'd been in a way for a little while, had a little food problem. Um, he also had been in ACA, and uh, I think he did CODA also, because his parents, I believe, were alcoholics. But anyway, he had a program. We had a common language. We, we had a common recovery. He's for now he's 48 years sober. He still goes to meetings. He's still very active in AA, in 12 steps. And I, so I credit him a lot for where I am today. Um, the other thing is a God shot. I went to a conference about five years ago, and all of a sudden, vegetables didn't taste good. Pasta didn't taste good. 
I don't know what happened. All I wanted to eat was meat. Now I'm one of those people who has very high, who have very high insulin levels. I'm not a diabetic because I have very high insulin levels, which means my body handles the sugar, packs it right away into a fat cell, no raised blood sugar problems, but this is not healthy. And it means that when I eat sugars and starches, I get triggered with the, all the biochemistry and I get high and I get hungry and I get into the craving cycle, just like an alcoholic. Um, so, and my body functions really well on like a really low carb diet. That's just me, but that works really, really well for me. So all of a sudden I'm at this conference and all I can eat is meat. I get a salad and I love salad. It didn't taste good. So I said, okay, God, I guess this is what I'm going to do for a while. I'm comfortable with it. And I started losing weight and I got back into program and I was doing okay. Um, and very soon after that, a common, a, a friend of ours down here in San Diego um, introduced me to a big book workshop approach that uh, is a community of people who are really a lot of a lot of them will share like I've been in, I've been sober 20 years or 10 years or 13 years and the saying is that all there is and then there's this concept called emotional sobriety which kept coming up and people were talking about getting back to the steps that 12-step programs have gotten diluted they're like they're like therapy sessions Nobody talks about the, the steps. They're all talking about calling my sponsor and what I did this week. And they weren't here. People, a lot of these people were saying they weren't hearing recovery talked about. And I said, oh, God, that sounds so good. Sounds so good to really roll my sleeves up and get into the steps. Because, first of all, the big book says this is the textbook for recovery. This is the instructions right here. The other thing it says is, and I'm going to totally paraphrase because I don't know where it is. I couldn't find the quote. That basically once the spiritual gets straightened out, the physical and mental follow. And I did a very, very intense study of the big book where I literally crossed out the word alcohol and wrote food. I literally crossed out the word alcoholic and wrote a little abbreviation for compulsive overeater, and in some places I crossed out man and put my name. Basically, I had gone from, I'm a really good student, uh, which means that I avoid my emotions because I'm a really good student. I, I live in my head, but I'm a really good student. I know how to study. So I've read the big book. I've done the steps. I've done the steps. They weren't working me. I was working them. It was Luann self-driven trying to force recovery on myself. That worked just about as well as forcing a diet on myself, which is not at all. My self can't fix myself. And so what I want to talk about really briefly, well, let's see how briefly, is so that was what it was like and what happened. I'm telling you what happened and what it's like now. So, I live my life by the steps. And one of the most important steps to me today and the most some of the most important pages in the book for me today are pages 60 to 63. Here's why. 
to me, this tells me exactly why my life is unmanageable. Think about step one. I have a problem with food and my life is unmanageable. Well, it's not that my life is unmanageable because I overeat. No, no, no. I overeat to fix myself because I don't have any other solution. Well, what's the real problem? It's the unmanageable life, which makes me feel like a piece of crap so that I have to reach for something to fix me. But what I reached for turned out to be a bomb, a bomb in disguise, a Trojan horse, right? So I turned to food for a thousand different reasons to feel better, to soothe myself, all those different things. But my way of trying to survive in the world I hadn't get, been given good instructions by my family of origin. I haven't been given very good instructions for how to be a healthy human in our society. This book is giving me the instructions for living a healthy, well-balanced, moral, spiritual life. So what does this say on page 60? It says, okay, so the, the, earlier in the page it says, we're compulsive eaters and could not manage our lives. Probably no human power could have relieved my compulsive overeating, which I believe no one could, no human could stop me. I tried. No therapist, no counselor, no gym person, no spiritual advisor. They could not fix me. And that God couldn't would if he were sought. I personally happen to use she for God, but that's, that's just my choice. Um, being convinced we were in step three, which is that we decided to turn our will and our life over to God as we understood God. What do we mean by that? And what do we do? So the first thing is I have to realize that life run on self-will can hardly be a success. That on that basis, we're almost always in collision with something or somebody, even though my motive was good. Okay, so here's one thing that jumped out at me when I was doing this line-by-line study. This isn't just I was mean to someone and they retaliated. No, it's when I think I know the answer for somebody else Even if my motives are good, if I think I know what's best for them and I tell them or I have expectations on them that I know what's best and I think I know how our lives should be, that right there is going to create chaos and an unmanageable life because I'm playing God. That's what I'm doing. If I think my brother should stop telling my sister what to do and how to live her life better and blah, 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 blah. I have this expectation of my brother's behavior. I have no control over my brother's behavior. But if I keep trying to interfere and tell him what to do, because he's telling her what to do, we have a great family, as you can tell. Thank you. That's where things start to go wrong. And these pages talk about the actor trying to play the director, essentially, Luann as a human, in this human life, not better or worse than anybody, I'm trying to play God because I'm putting expectations on the world and people, places, and things, and I think it should be this way, and it should be that way, and it should be that way, and I just have everyone's best interest at heart. Really, I'm very loving and compassionate. So you'll understand if I tell you that blue shirt really doesn't look so good on you. So as I realized that my self-centeredness, which is not like being greedy, that's not really how I think of it. It's really that I think I know how life is supposed to be. I'm not facing reality. And to me, what these steps do 
is they show me where I'm not facing reality and they help me to start to face reality one little thing at a time because we're not going to be poof magically fixed. And then you get to steps five, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, and those are all advanced chapters in how to live a life that means I reach for something other than food to fix me. I will always be an addict. I have just I have a likely chance of being an addict to something else if I keep reaching for my own solution. We call that changing seats on the Titanic. Oh, I'm sober with food, but boy, that alcohol sure looks good. A little warmth might feel really good. Oh, you know what? I'm not using alcohol, but man, that man will fix me. I just need a better sex life and I'll be great. Anything that's external, anything that's my solution to life's problems, instead of a spiritual life, however you define that, I'm going to still be discontent. I'm going to still have an unmanageable life. And I'm going to still turn to food or something else. So today, my life is hella better. It's amazingly better. I have healed relationships that have just gobsmacked me with the miracles that happened in my life. I have a good relationship, and I can communicate with people in my relationships. I have a way of being of service to others, which, is, which gives me the feel-good stuff that I need. Because I know now that, that what God has blessed me with, because I'm taking action in the spiritual program of action, the actions I take in line with the moral principles of this book, and I don't mean moral like hard to do, I mean moral like just the right stuff. This is making me not need to turn to food. Now, I'm still an addict. I still have to keep my daily spiritual life in, in order those actions I can take, but it's not my job to tell life how to be run. It's not my job to make up the rules for the universe. It's my job to be in the flow of life, be in the flow of love, be in the flow of reality, and to the best of my ability, work these steps and clean up my mess when I make one because I always will I'm human. And just, man, just spread, literally spread the message Pay it forward because I have been given so much by other recovery people. Okay, um, I have a minute and one second left, so I will give you my phone number again, 714-323-5933. My name is Luann. I'm five years abstinent currently, but what matters to me more is that I have a recovered soul. And every day that I stay close to my higher power, I will stay recovered. I don't know what else to say, so I will stop there. Thank you very much for letting me share.